My name is Matthew Morton. As Sam mentioned, I am a pastor here on staff. I have the opportunity to work in gospel shepherding or biblical counseling, if you're more familiar with that terminology. And just excited to be here. Uh, my wife and I had the opportunity to go on vacation a couple weeks ago. So this is like post-vacation week where you ask yourself, was it worth it, you know? Like, till Wednesday, one eye was going that way and one eye was going that way. And um, I sat in a coma in my chair. Um, but hey, I made it to this week. But my point in all that was we really love Veritas. Um, thanks for being great. Um, it's really cool to be able to watch online, but it's way better to be here. And so it's just fun to hear, uh, again, the band backed away and just to hear you sing. Uh, it is so sweet to trust in Jesus and be in community with you. Um, we've just really, truly been blessed by that. So thanks. Thanks for being here. How is uh, the gospel pathway treating you? couple nods. It's good. Yeah, you're learning a lot. We are in week six of Gospel Pathway, um, learning to walk in newness of life. And I hope you never get sick of that foundation of God is the prize, sin is the problem, Jesus is the solution, and faith is the response. Like, that is the foundation of everything. It's not this ethereal idea. It's not a picture of a cross Or a one-time prayer that's prayed. It's an activity that we partake in, I hope, seven days a week. I hope we think about it like, you know, having two columns. One over here with God the prize, sin the problem, Jesus the solution, faith the response. And then we we put our problem in this side, okay? And we, we match it up to see, like, how is my frustration not displaying God as prize? How is my anger not displaying God as prize? How is my lust not displaying God as prize? Yeah, and seeing that sin is creeping in there. And then how is Jesus the solution? Like, really ask yourself that. It's fun to read it in the book, right? Read it in the Bible. Yay, Jesus. But is he a solution? And what are the implications if he isn't the solution? I would argue that he is the solution. So how does that work in those categories? You know, and then how do we walk out in faith? Like perhaps I'm struggling with lust or I'm struggling with anger or I'm struggling with frustration. And how do I live? How do I walk in faith knowing that Jesus is the solution? He addresses the sin and God is the prize. How do we do that? Well, that's a journey and I hope to encourage us in that. Last week, Jordan pointed us on the direction of holiness, the journey, and said, effectively fight your sin by focusing on the gospel. It isn't a one-time good news. It is a lifetime. It is a moment-by-moment, like, remembrance of what we're about and who makes it possible. A lifetime of remembering that and fueling our actions out of that. So today I want to talk about, like, what do we do then when we find those hurdles in our life? Like, what do we do when we find sin? We've been striving to make God our prize. We acknowledge Jesus Christ, but we see this sin problem in our life. How do we engage that? How do we respond to that? And so I want us to go to the book of 1 John. If you have a Bible, turn there with me. Otherwise, it'll be on the screen. And I want us just to wrestle with a little bit about what John says. And I love how John starts this letter. He's excited to share something with us. I mean, he has been with Jesus Christ. He has seen the Lord. He has watched him heal. He has seen him raised again. He's been loved by the Lord. He calls himself the loved one in his gospel. And so he just has this relationship with God and wants to share this. He's like, I'm writing these things so that your joy may be full. I think about my kids. Um, Friday, I got home. And my little guy, Ollie, runs up to me in the kitchen and says, Dad, 
Dad, we're planting the garden, and guess what? There's nine rabbits in there. And I'm like, that's going to be a great garden, son. Um, You know, but his joy was complete in telling me about all these little bunnies they found, like, tucked away so carefully underneath this wad of weeds and grass. They're already there. I don't know. Pray for our garden. Um, But his joy was complete in sharing it with somebody. And so John's joy is made complete, he says, in sharing this with us. So what is that message that he shares with his original audience and with us here today? 1 John chapter 1. I'm going to read two verses at a time. I'm going to read 5 and 6. This is the message. I'm writing these things that your joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And so this is kind of the chunk, the main foundation of this paragraph. In God, there is no darkness. God is the definition. God is the essence. God is perfect. Perfect holiness. Perfect purity. Like, there is no shadow within God. Everything that is, he is it perfectly. He needs nothing. There's no stain. There's no back corner where a shadow exists. In fact, the Greek says, like, there, God, there's no not any darkness. No not. Okay? Doubling down on the fact that God is absolutely pure. God is absolutely holy. We talk about it as set apart, but it means so much more than that. When God creates a situation, it's in perfection. It's in absolute perfection. When God responds to a situation, it's in absolute perfection. Nothing God does falls short. It is good. And so that is the essence of of who God is. And so for us as Christians, the Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 1, we're called to imitate God as dearly loved children. Okay? So there's this calling to live in the light as God is light. And you think about your kids. You think about your kids like they want to mow the yard and they, they want to make the muffins, right? They want to be like their parent. And here and elsewhere, actually, we're called to be like God. And in this text, John is saying, like, live in the light. But there's this tension point that John brings. In fact, I kind of marked this uh, paragraph up. Verse 6 is good. Verse 7 is bad. Um, verse 5 is good. I'm sorry. Verse 6 is bad. Verse 7 is good. Verse 8 is bad. Verse 9 is good. Verse 10 is bad. And it's not really bad, but it's really like bringing to light. I mean, me, <laughs> which is bad. You know, so he goes back and forth and he contrasts this, this light and darkness. And this point that he makes here in the next verse is really powerful. God is light and in him is no darkness. And if we claim to have fellowship with him yet walk in darkness, we lie and we don't practice the truth. And there's this problem. That when I have secret parts of my life or when I have little issues in my life that are sinfully wicked and I, and I hide them, there's a reality that I am not walking in the light. It's very simple to think about this, but light doesn't exist in, or darkness doesn't exist in light. It runs for the shadows. It can't be there. It's not present. When light is shown on something, darkness flees. 
And so to say, as John says so clearly right out of the gate, we can't live the dual lives. We can't have our feet in both worlds. It doesn't match. It doesn't fit. And so that's a concern that he brings to our attention absolutely right away. And scripture tells us this is kind of the narrative of our life. If you go to John chapter 3, you can read a verse with me. Now, some of you might be surprised that there's more than just verse 16 in John 3, okay? But there are actually other verses in John 3, 36 of them. And uh, verse 19 tells this about you and I. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world And people loved darkness rather than light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. The reality of some of the secrets and some of the wickedness that I have in my life and you may have in your life is that I don't want anyone to touch them. I kind of like them. I kind of like my thing. I, I like being on the throne in my life. I like having this pleasure. And I, and I know it's wrong. I'm not going to bring it to the light. That would be embarrassing. That might show my weakness. But it's problematic. It doesn't fit. We were all born dead in our trespasses and sins, as it says in the scriptures, in some ways, we like that. I like being on the throne of my life. I don't want to surrender the throne. And so while there are some ways I have given God authority over this part of my life, I've, I've held back some of the parts of my life. And I don't want to bring them to the light. Statistically, it's still true that most crimes happen in the dark. People can't see you. They can get away with it. And so often in my sin life, I think I can get away with it. I think I can just get by with this one. I think I can just hold on to this one category. This one category God need not touch. I can just hang on to it. So it's important that we just really reflect on those two verses and the reality that's exposed in them. In God, there is no not any darkness And if we claim to have fellowship with God, yet walk in darkness, we're we're deceiving ourselves. But John goes through and kind of like breaks that down a little bit more. Let's look at 1 John chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. But if we walk in the light, so a little bit of a picture of what it looks like to walk in the light. um, As he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us. From all unrighteousness. And yet he brings a warning. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So here's this picture of what Jesus Christ did. And when we see the issue of sin in our life, we can address it with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there's this reality that it has been done. Something has been completed in Jesus Christ that we can grasp onto. The blood of Jesus Christ has been shed, and it cleanses us from all our sin. It cleanses you from all your sin. That sin that you're hiding in the corner, God's blood cleanses you from that sin. The things that you you hold and you hide in secret, like Jesus addresses those things. 
Jesus addresses those things in the cross. And as you think about the shame and the guilt that you might think would flow out of them if you shared them with anybody, there's a reality that you're ignoring the truth and the hope that is found in the cross of Jesus Christ. That there is hope for the broken. There is hope in the perversion. It's in Jesus Christ who accomplished the work on the cross and shed his blood. And this has an impact on our fellowship. We have fellowship with one another, like at a deep level. And like, let's, let's get out of shallowness. Like, let's quit asking about the golf game. No, I mean, it has its place. Let's quit asking about the work week. But let's ask the question, like, how is your heart when the work week stinks? When it's bad week, how is your heart? How's your heart when your kids are sick? How's your heart when it's so busy and the school year's wrapping up and what are you going to do for summer and you don't have money for a vacation? And like, how's, how's your heart at a really deep level? And how's your heart if things are going well? Your kid graduated, top of the class. How's your heart? Is it humble? Is it relying and trusting in who God is? Is your identity secure in who Jesus Christ is and the work that he's done on the cross? Are you giving him your pride? Are you walking in fellowship with other believers confessing your sin? I've got ahead of myself. Let's, let's go on here a little bit further. 1 John chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. What do I do when I find sin in my life as I evaluate it? Verse 8 says this, verse 9. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 10, if we, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. There's a solution for those of us in Jesus Christ who find sin. As we're seeking to make God the prize in all aspects of our life, Jesus is the solution. And because he is the solution, we can address our sin. We no longer need to stuff our sin in the back closet and create a facade that we can live in and show other people. We can confess it. To confess sin means to admit, to acknowledge that we have sinned. Come clean. We don't need to hide it. Uh, When I was in middle school, um, I was a liar. And I went to a private school for a couple years and spun stories like a spider. One person knew this story. The next person knew that story. And the rest of the next couple months was spent trying to keep those two people apart. Because each person knew an untruth about who I was. And can I tell you the ultimate relief that was felt when they both found out what was actually going on? Through their research and their connectedness, they found out the truth. And the burden of living two or three lives was released. Folks, God knows your sin. God knows your weakness. You can confess to him. You can acknowledge, Lord, I I have lied about you. 
or I have lied about this situation. Lord, I have struggled with my identity and I have, I have gone this way. Lord, I have collapsed in my fear and anxiety. Lord, I have given way in my life to lust. God, I confess these things to you. And his grace is sufficient to encourage you, to help you. And his grace is sufficient to empower you to fight those sins. As Christians, confession ought to permeate our life. God knows. Communicate with him. Don't hide in the darkness. Come to the light. Acknowledge your weakness. Acknowledge your anxiety. Acknowledge your anger. Acknowledge your desire for control. Acknowledge your desire to be worshipped. Come to the light. Admit what he already knows. And then secondly, as was said in the previous verse, like, have fellowship. What can man do to you? If God has seen Jesus work in you and they don't, so be it. God knows, but we, we need people to walk in this journey alone. Holiness, the journey, is not something we should go on our, lo- uh, go on, on our own. I think about a time in my life, and this is one time I actually remember this, and it's about sleepwalking, so that's probably the reason I don't remember other times. But one time I was sleepwalking, I was about 9 or 10 years old, and I woke up in the basement. Now, our basement, we had the old, like, rectangle farmhouse, and uh, the basement wasn't quite a dungeon, it was kind of a dungeon, but I woke up on the backside of the furnace, and honestly, that makes my heart go again. This is the third time I've told this story. <laughs> it was scary. Like, I cannot express in words, like, <gasps> like where's my bed? Like, what am I? I'm standing. What? There's a whole lot of just, oh, my goodness, what is going on here? And there was, like, one light through this itty-bitty window that was kind of over there. And after a while of, like, sheer panic, I started seeing, you know, the shining off the, off the ductwork. And I'm like, I'm behind the furnace. This is awesome. I didn't say it was awesome. It was terrifying, absolutely terrifying. And after minutes or what seemed like years, I knew I had to take about seven steps to get to the string light to pull it so I could see where I was at. And it felt like 7,000 feet. But I was able to get there too. Like contrast that story with camping with friends and running through the woods in the dark, each with a flashlight, each jumping over logs, each being aware of whatever you're chasing after. There's this issue like when we sin and when we cover it in shame and we won't confess to God who actually already knows and we won't confess it to anyone else, that we're alone. That nobody else has dealt with this issue that I have and I am all by myself. And in fact, others have dealt with the issue that you have. And you need not run alone. If Christ can cover you with his shed blood and make promises to you that are out of this world, you can come clean to your community, to those you are in fellowship with. In fact, if we read James chapter 5, it tells us more about confession. James chapter 5, verse 16 says this, Therefore, Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. There's this picture of 
people like on their knees helping fight. Galatians chapter 6 starts off with like bearing one another's burdens. Your sin, your issue that you are wrestling with in the deepest, darkest corner of your heart is not different from many others. And you can come alongside one another and commit to praying and fighting against your sin. You can commit to praying and fighting to walk in the light together. You can commit to running through the woods, all lights on, full bore. Pushing for the light. That's what you can do through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the solution. There's nothing he doesn't know, nothing we can't confess. Come to the light. And there's this stern warning. I kind of skipped it here in verse 8. In verse 8 it says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the, the truth is not in us. And then in verse 10 he takes it up a notch. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So we deceive ourselves, okay? But then we make God a liar. God says that we have an issue with sin. We have an issue with our old self. It continues to pester us. And there is coming a day. There is coming a day where it won't. And we will be free. But for now, hallelujah, amen. But for now, there is this journey that is before us. And I think for some of us, when we think of sin, you might think of, well, I I kind of do the Ten Commandments. I didn't murder anyone this week, and I, I haven't gotten drunk. Praise God. But there's this issue for all of us that we steal glory regularly. We run around the block. I would never run, but I would ride my bicycle. But we, we go around the block, and we say, look at what I have done. And, and the question is, like, did, did, you, did you do anything? Did you tap your mom on the belly and say, hey, I'd like two legs. I'd like them both to work. I would love two eyes. That would be awesome. I want this little tube in my ear that helps me balance so I don't just fall over. Like, can you make that happen? No, she can't. But there's this picture of a creator God, like, knitting you together in your mother's womb, as Psalms 139 says, giving you the gifts that you have and the strengths that you have and the weaknesses that you have, all for his glory. And we run about saying, look at what I've done. That's wicked. That's, that's sinful. It's not just drunkenness. It's not just adultery. We've sat on the throne and we've said, God, why have you made me like this? You clearly made a mistake. Or God, I'm lonely. I need this relationship. I'll break all your rules to keep it. That's, that's sinfulness. And there's this stark contrast between living in the light and living in darkness. One should not be. Yet there's this beckoning call in the light is that Christ cleanses us from sin. God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. You have not sinned the sin that God can't answer. You have not sinned the sin that his grace can't match. He is sufficient for you. And so there's this beckoning call, like, quit hiding. 
Come to the light. Come to the light. There's two stories in Scripture where you see a contrast of those who hide and those who come to the light. And the first story is that of Adam and Eve found in Genesis 3. We've already referenced it in the series. But you see Adam and Eve, they've, they've stolen glory. They've figured God's held back. Like there's this one fruit. He doesn't want us to have it. He's, he's, he's holding something from, from us. We need to be more like him. And so we will make this decision and we'll go. And the result of this story is two people. Like you wonder what the conversation was. And clearly we didn't need to know because it's not in scripture, but... I wonder, hey, God's going to be coming back. What do we do? I got an idea. Let's hide in the bushes. Let's hide in the dark. Leaves. Let's cover ourselves. We do not want him to see us like this. And it's almost like a frantic, like, get leaves. More leaves. Leaves. Cover. Like, cover. What's your leaf? Busyness? Success? Kids, covering, covering for your shame, covering for your guilt. Like, you guys, we have the option through Jesus Christ, as John says here, like, that he is faithful and just, that we can be covered by Jesus Christ. And we can come out of the bushes, bring our anger, bring our shame, bring our guilt, bring our immorality, and allow it to be covered in Jesus But Adam and Eve chose to hide. They hid in the garden from an almighty, omnipotent God. And he comes down the garden. They're hiding in the bushes, probably in the dark. I wonder if he sees us. I wonder if he sees us. And he says, where are you? And they come out. And they blame one another. It's her fault. It's a serpent's fault. And they pay the punishment. For their sin. And then there's a picture of another woman in the scriptures in the book of John, chapter 4. Jesus is at a well. It's called Jacob's Well. And a woman is out there in the middle of the day, undoubtedly there to avoid other people. I don't want to see anybody. They already talk about me a lot. And Jesus engages her. And they have this discussion over water. She's like, He's like, I want a drink. She's like, you got nothing to draw with. What do you expect? He's like, I got water that's out of this world. And at some point, Jesus says, hey, go call your husband and and let's talk. And she's like, I don't have a husband. He's like, you're right. You've had five husbands. And immediately she wants to shift the conversation to talk about religion. It's interesting in her story that her religion didn't permeate her relationships. So she wants to talk about, hey, where should we worship? Like, let's talk about worship. Let's not talk about my sin. Like, I don't want to. Let's not. Nope, I don't want to go there, just like so many of us. I want to talk about church. I want to talk about Bibles. I want to talk about missions. But let's not talk about my sin. But her sin was a hurdle in her worship. And in the end, she runs back to the city and says, come and see the man who's told me everything I ever did. Come and see the man who's told me everything I ever did. Now, is anyone from small town America? They already know what you did. 
They might have added to it a little bit, but they, they know. And they're like, well, maybe I don't know. I'm going to go see this man. And it says in John chapter 4, verse 39, that many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. What are they going to do to her? Christ has seen her. Christ would die for this Samaritan woman who had had so many wrong relationships. What is their judgment going to do to her? And so the question I have for you in closing is, where are you at? Or what are you hiding? Are you in the bushes hiding from almighty sovereign God? Or are you out sharing? Like, come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. Come and see the man who took my pornography and redeemed my eyes. God, come and see the man who took my fear and my weaknesses and worked through them. Come and see the man who took my anger and broke it and showed me his love. Come and see the man who died for me when I was as wicked as I was, when I stole glory when I said poor words, when I demeaned him. Christians, the life of a Christian should be defined by confession. The Christian will strive to walk in the light while bringing sin into the light through confession. The Bible tells us we are sinners. What are you doing with that sin? We are. I am a sinner. You are a sinner. Are you in the bushes or do you proclaim the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, the sufficiency of him dying on the cross for your sin? Come to the light. Taste the freedom you have in Christ. Christians, acknowledge your sin before God and confess your sins to others. Knowing that God has saved you. He is saving you and will complete the work that he started in you. He is faithful and just to forgive you. And as you work with brothers and sisters in Christ, encourage them to ask you the hard questions to push you toward the light. We can't walk in darkness and walk in light. And Christ gives us the fellowship of community and his grace to encourage us, to empower us to come clean, come out, be free. Put down your leaves and put on Christ and give glory to him as you do that. It, it prods us towards a time of, of self-examination. And we're going to do this now with communion where we say, like, this blood was shed for me. We go back to 1 John, like, his blood cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And it's not just a one-time thing. It's tomorrow. It's today. It's this morning. That this blood was shed for you. And we look back week after week after we examine ourselves and we say, thank you, Jesus, for the blood. Thank you, Jesus, that I can come clean. I no longer need to hide in the bushes, buried in my shame and guilt. I can, one, confess to you and be right with you because of your work. And I can confess to brothers and sisters in Christ that can actually help me walk out of this rut I'm in.
So the challenge to you in the next few moments is examine yourself. Spend some time in prayer. Are you walking in darkness? Is there any areas of your life that you have not brought to the light? Bring it. Bring it to your maker. Bring it to your community. Address your sin. And if you can today, come take communion. Some of you won't be able to. That's okay. Address the sin that's going on in your life and come and celebrate what's possible because Jesus Christ cleansed us from all unrighteousness. Let's pray. God, you are very great. God, we're thankful for the cross. God, we're thankful that you made a way when sin was such a problem. God, each one of us is paralyzed in some way by sin. God, I pray that you would open their eyes to see the grace and hope of Jesus Christ. God, that your blood cleanses us from all unrighteousness. God, help us walk in faith, knowing that you are the solution to these problems. God, draw us close to you in holiness. Transform us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.